Welcome to a Couch Divided podcast with Dr. Robin Hall and Nick Thomas. Hello, Robin. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. You didn't give me an adjective this week. I didn't give you an adjective. I, okay, hold on. Let me start over <laughs> here again. Welcome to a Couch Divided podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just right kidding. from the beginning. <laughs> the beautiful Dr. Robin <laughs> yes. Hall. I know. Like, my ego can't handle it if I don't get a uh, fluffy adjective. I got to think of more adjectives. Yes. Agreed. I'm going to go ahead and let you do that. Follow traces of behavioral patterns. <laughs> that means I'm running dry on thinking <laughs> lately. And I don't know. I mean, I'll be on your chair soon enough. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> Consider it practicing poetry for your future wife, Nick. Uh, oh, well, that's mm-hmm. prophecy right there. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> I just mean you can use words other than beautiful. That's all. You know what? Uh, I remember taking uh, classes in English where they said that's the hacky word to use is beautiful Oh, uh, in, in, in literature because it's been overdone. Really? And I, get, I mean, that, that's okay. cynical standards, but I still love the word yeah. beautiful. And trust me, I think women do <laughs> love yes, to be they called definitely beautiful. Do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think any woman's going to like quit about that no no it actually Um, means something (laughs) right so yeah so um we are doing something a little bit different this week um we've been talking to you guys about the crossover episode we had planned with cultish yeah and we were um blessed enough to be able to record that this week so um we're gonna release the episode that cultish record like cultish their the podcast recorded so mm-hmm. um you'll get introduced to jerry and andrew and mm-hmm. um we hope you guys enjoy it uh it's very cursory it's really just the beginning of a discussion about i know it- psychedelics we, both nick and i had a lot of information that we wanted to that we want to cover in the future. So we plan right. on partnering, you know, to continue this discussion. And, and Jerry was very wise in this uh, discussion too as well. He's like, you know, each each category uh, that we could start discussing in the realm of psychedelics would take three hours at most because there's just, just so much information. So we broad stroked everything. Uh, but then we had a very intimate and meaningful and emotional conversation in some regards about our past experiences, Christ's salvation through this, what pharmacia is. And so I think we want to do follow-up episodes um, that uh, that talk about those aspects in detail. A little bit more, so yeah. If you, sure. if you enjoy this cultish um, couch divided uh, crossover, crossover. Uh, then email us and uh, and comment on this uh, about what yeah, message you, us, yeah. yeah and what you would like uh, uh, more in depth discussion is uh, of and and we'll do that episode on yeah that. I don't know if we've actually ever like made our email address public I'm not sure if it's even listed on Facebook or Instagram any of our no, social not, media no. Um, but you can always email us if you prefer to email rather than using some kind of yeah, instant messenger, messenger. Or things like that. Um, our email is a couch divided podcast at Gmail. So yeah. you can, and the only Nick and I are the only two that have access to that email. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we hope you enjoy it. Let us know, share it with a friend, uh, come back and let us know like what else you want discussed, anything more specific, because it's definitely a discussion we plan to continue. Enjoy the episode. Awesome.
I do believe that there's a transcendent ethic and I do believe that it touches on the metaphysical I believe that people experience that because people are perfectly capable of having unutterably profound religious experiences and the naturalistic materialists don't know what the hell to do with that they have no idea what to do with that fact say well it's delusional it's like well hang on a sec people who have those experiences appear to be more successful and healthier mm -hmm. it's like so in exactly in what manner is that delusional and if you induce it in the lab with psilocybin for example among people who are dying of cancer their fear of death goes away it's like that's you're going to just lay, lay that out there as delusional, are you? They'll quit smoking. 85% success rate with one mystical experience on psilocybin produces 85% cessation rate in smoking. Yeah. It's completely... And with uh, MDMA, ecstasy, mm -hmm. the three treatments with MDMA, that's what the current research indicates, produces a 72% cure rate for intractable post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. It's like... Those are miracle cures and no one and they have to be accompanied by the mystical experience no one knows how to account for that and so there so is a, a transcendent so it's a very ethic so it's a very physical thing i mean in a case mm. like that you talk about ayahuasca or any of these things right you're eating something mm. you're ingesting something smoking it whatever it is it's physical it's here mm. and now but the experience is, is metaphysical is metaphysical sure that's a place where the biological and the transcendent touch and we don't know what to make of that yeah. well that's why psychedelics threw our whole culture into such a such a flip this upside down no one knew what to do with them you know i mean the indians regarded psilocybin as food of the gods for a reason and, yeah. and when, when people have encountered psychedelic substances throughout human history that's always how they've been characterized yeah. that's right food of the gods it's like beware of them but they're they open the door to the transcendent all right welcome back ladies and gentlemen to cultish entering the kingdom of the cults my name is jeremiah roberts i'm one of the co-hosts here I'm here, as always, with Andrew, the super sleuth of the show. Uh, man, it's, it's trippy, but this is the last time you will be uh, recording as uh, a resident living in Arizona. Wow. Uh, we are getting ready to... I'm, I'll be trekking off with you to help you move yep. uh, to Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, so it's going to be almost like Coltish Embedded 2.0. Yeah. Uh, so super excited <laughs> for that. Um, we are here as well. Uh, if you guys remember last year, it's hard to believe it's been a year. So much has happened in the last year. Um, but we are here with Dr. Robin Mindhunter Hall. <laughs> we did a Charles Manson true crime podcast. Uh, you are back. I'm back. How are you? I'm excellent. Awesome. Uh, yes, I'm not pregnant anymore either. So that's. Oh, that's yes. right. That's totally different. But you time. were, but you would, you were a mom with Tobias, but now you are uh, still a mom. Still a mom <laughs> with Tobias. <laughs> with Tobias, and he is he is growing a lot. He's oh getting yeah. bigger, so um, he is he's probably keeping you uh, busy and sometimes making you wake up early and <laughs> experience all the glories of being a new parent. How old is he now? Uh, seven and a half months. Wow. Yeah. Isn't it like what's been like the most you, you know. What's been like the most amazing thing just about like motherhood and just having a parent, having this thing that you made, <laughs> like staring back at you, like just, oh, what, what's that like? Just tell oh me. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know that there are words for it. Mm. Truly. It's got to be, I, I believe very much that that experience at least recreates in some way the love that God feels for us i know mm. it would only be like a fraction right. right um but it's this like i mean i get happy when he poops regularly <laughs> right um, yeah 
you know he's working he laughs and it's like okay do you want a car whatever yeah whatever you want um yeah it is really this amazing experience extremely sanctifying and revealing definitely have had a lot of um god's been like working on me a lot through it so Mm. yeah yeah it's awesome it's the most amazing thing and i'm a big sap now like um even my like true crime stuff has taken a little bit of a hit i don't listen to much that involves kids or anything anymore so Mm. yeah i can make sense of that um it's hard not to you know over identify well good yeah I got you. I got you. Well, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the coldest audience is good to have you back. Uh, yes. And also, we are here with Nick. We want to. I guess. I guess we give a nickname for you, Slick Nick. Slick uh, Nick. That um, works. Yeah. People have been calling me that my whole life. Good man. Well, it's, it's good to have you on Coltish. Yeah. Um, yeah let, let's go ahead and just enter. Uh, this is your first time on. People are familiar with Robin. Um, you guys have a brand new podcast. It's been out for a couple months. Uh, called A Couch Divided. Uh, there are people that who follow us on our social media who have found out about you guys and really enjoyed about it. But just tell us a little about it. I mean, I know that the idea is to get a kind of a Christian perspective on mental health uh, and just kind of talking about different aspects of psychology and just different things. That's a big thing in our culture, especially with just all the discussion uh, passionate discussions surrounding Simone Biles and the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a big topic, but just tell us just a little bit about the podcast. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm Robin's co-host. It was kind of her uh, brainchild, and well, I'm not pregnant either. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. Um, uh, but I don't have a child. I don't have a, a child or anything like that. But I, so I get to vicariously watch the joy of parenthood between her and her husband, who happens to be one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually talking one night about covenant theology. Yes, and we were debating credo and pedo, and that's what you know. That's what Calvinists do, right? And so that you know, that's mm. what uh, Reformed uh, guys do. Uh, yes. And um, then all of a sudden, we started talking about Freud and Jung, and she realized that I had some kind of knowledge. Um, and when we started talking about the podcast, and uh, mm-hmm. a few, just a what about six months later, we we started that. Um. Yeah, I actually yeah. don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was in what the, the works. Time, yeah, I've been thinking about this for a really long time, but um, I was, I wanted a co-host. Sure. Yeah. And so I was just kind of praying about one and looking for one, and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, she's the uh, she's kind of the uh, the the puppet master of the the uh, of a couch divided as far as her brainchild, what she wanted to uh, mm-hmm. you know emulate to an audience about the importance of mental health. Uh, but then she's a Christian and she wanted a theological side. Mm-hmm. So she goes, well, I'm going to take somebody that knows something about behavioral health and knows something about theology too. And, and here we are, uh, neuthetically, mm-hmm. psychodynamically, psychoanalytically um, producing a podcast. Right. So both nice. of you have had a passion and have been involved in the fields of mental health, uh, both. And so you can, do you want to just tell us just a little bit about that, about what your uh, just experiences are, uh, that makes you like this really where did this come from as far as being a passion topic for both for the both of you Start? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as far as a passion topic at all is root of sometimes you have to draw from self-experience mm-hmm. 
you know, I have a history with drug abuse um, and I have a history with psychosis. And, and, and that leaves you curious of why these uh, things, uh, you know, were a part of your life. And basically in society, we can draw conclusions. You don't necessarily have to be a, a psychologist to understand maybe why you've done something cause and effect. But I wanted to go deeper into academia from that. And I found the, the, the heart, the brain intriguing. But then coupled with biblical anthropology, that kind of even exploded it even more uh, to the depths of what human sin uh, does to our minds and what it does to our hearts. And I think that's what we try to convey in this podcast is uh, that we are fallen creatures of, of, uh, of Adam, you know, rooted in Adam. And, um, and how you know, distorted that can actually make us be. And, uh, and so that's where it started. I pursued academia, uh, coupled that with uh, theology. I found Neuthetics very intriguing. But then I also wanted to go a little deeper. Uh, and then what is the empirical scientific data that's, uh, you know, of our behavioral patterns, which is specifically why I chose behavioral health and not uh, 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 psychotherapy. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, man, I started like... What was my like original like motivation for this? Because um, that was a long time ago. Yes. Um, so I've always been super fascinated with human behavior. I used to get in trouble a lot throughout my childhood for staring at people. Mm, um, I would I just kind too. of check into my own little world and and watch and observe and try and understand their behavior and their history. So I've always just kind of been fascinated by behavior. Um, and then it was in my uh, first abnormal psychology class as an undergrad at community college that I knew this is at least the area that I wanted to be in. I wasn't sure at that point. I don't, I don't think like what it would turn into. Yeah. Um, but I graduated with a bachelor's of science in psychology in 2009. And then I graduated from um, Midwestern University in 2016 with my doctorate in clinical psychology. So mm-hmm. I've worked um, in all like imaginable areas of psychology, but my primary focus was trauma treatment of post-traumatic stress. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, well, this is, I'm excited because uh, we are going to be talking about a topic that uh, is, we wanted to do a crossover, kind of explore different ideas. I definitely know, as much you guys have such great content uh definitely cat, cat we'll have links in our social media definitely check out the couch divide podcast yes definitely uh, like like us yeah interact like, with us we love that yes like subscribe like, and share our yeah. whole goal for the podcast is to bring a biblical worldview to issues of mental health because we feel like there's a giant vacuum vacuum especially like within the church and mm-hmm. how this kind of stuff is understood how it's responded to and managed treated so yeah we want to be the voice there that's needed. So yeah, check us out. Awesome. So we're, we're talking today about uh, psychedelics, um, really microdosing DMT, just really a, a broad variety of topics that uh, is really becoming like just, uh, just a, almost a stuff that was very fringe and taboo, almost similar to UFOs is now a reg, a, just a, a, a typical discussion amongst amongst the intellectuals of the world, amongst the Joe Rogans, amongst different Hollywood celebrities. Uh, you know, before a couple of years ago, I had no idea even what ayahuasca was. When mm-hmm. Steve, actually I was telling uh, Andrew earlier, I think I told you or someone else, back when we had our initial episode with Stephen Bankars, he mentioned ayahuasca. I had no idea what they even was. And so I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> and now it's now all of a sudden it's become, we'll, we'll talk about how it's becoming 
a lot more of a, a household fad. name. It's a fad and it's a, it's a fascination. So um, the reason why we're talking about it here today at, Cold, at, at Coltish on this episode is because uh, psychedelics have a unique history. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just look at, there was actually a, a documentary by the History Channel uh, that was done a while back that would feature Dean Norris from uh, Breaking Bad who played Agent Hank Schrader. Mm-hmm. Uh, he happened to interview our pastor and Jeff Durbin. And he, this is back uh, in our infancy of when an apology of baby days. <laughs> and he was a chaplain at a Calvary Addiction Recovery Center. And at that point in time, you know, Jeff was talking about pharmacia, something that is, would be referred to in the book of Galatians. These are the, these are the deeds of the flesh some sort of substance really to get you into an altered state of consciousness. And typically it's one of those things in the same way, how when we've had our conversations about the UFO phenomena, you can't escape. There's, it always goes part and parcel with transcendental experience, uh, crossing over to the other side, uh, getting in contact with something. Uh, we just heard, we, we opened up the, uh, and this isn't talking about the world of mental health, now is that this isn't just some weird some hippies out in the middle of nowhere that are trying to you know experiment on some weird plants or mushrooms or what have you uh this is the opening clip we play was jordan peterson he's on the ruben report talking to him and uh ben shapiro uh so talking in the very last moment when i cut it off he talked about how this is sort of referred to as i think it's the plant of the gods Uh and Mm -hmm. just trend you can't separate the transcendental experience with it so Mm -hmm. this is just something that as our culture becomes more secularized i think there's just a lot more of a vacuum where people just have that insatiable hunger to experience to try and reach out beyond and you know i think biblically as part of what God says, you know, God has written eternity on the hearts of men. But I just want to get maybe just give me all your thoughts real quickly. Look, what, what, why do you see this fascination both uh, in psychedelics, and why do you think it's also kind of starting to, you know, Jordan Peterson's a very unique figure. He's a very popular figure. Uh, he can also be polarizing to many people, but mm-hmm. he's someone who's outspoken on a lot of issues of mental health, and even mm-hmm. the ones I think they're good. He's the image bearer of God, and he, I pray that he uh, gets to know the Christ of Scripture. Mm-hmm. But you know, talking about you know de- important topics like, de- like depression, anxiety, suicide, something that so many people struggle with. But here he is talking about this. He would be considered sort of like one of those just known intellectuals in the digital the digital areopagus mm-hmm. um so yeah just give me your thoughts on that I'll just, whoever wants to go first i want to just kind of get your ideas of like why you think that is why it's popular yeah what what's the what's the thing what, what do you think this movement is i feel like it just happens so fast so i'm gonna go ahead and disagree with that actually <laughs> sure, um, no. the, i mean as a movement this has been going on since the beginning of I mean, documented history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do agree that we've got some re- like flair, more flair for it. Sure. Um, so in the 70s, it became illegal to do any, they became a controlled substance, psychedelics did. So for 30 years, there was almost no research being done. It was like made into this really, really like taboo drug type mm-hmm. thing. Um, but then in the early 2000s, they started researching with it again. So I think timing mm-hmm. has a lot to do with it. Like yeah. It has just been in the last 20 years that we've really reignited research into this. Um, but we love like 
altering our mind state. Yeah. Human yeah. beings love that. We hate reality mm-hmm. and we like to escape and avoid it. Um, and we also are looking, I believe, constantly for the, the God of creation because that's what we were created for was to be in relationship for mm-hmm. with him, right? Ultimately to glorify him and be, be in relationship with him and enjoy him. So when I'm, when I'm not a Christian, when I don't have Jesus to fill that part like that was really made to fit perfectly i start looking for other gods and as you like mentioned the transcendental part of this is something you can't really divorce when you're talking Mm -hmm. about that so i think people come here for religious experiences enlightenment Mm -hmm. um personally when i experimented with psychedelics i've done uh like mdma psilocybin Mm -hmm. Um, LSD. Um, I was not looking for any kind of spiritual experience whatsoever. I was looking to see the floor breathe. Like I was mm. curious about the hallucin, like hallucinations, what the like a visual perceptual disturbance would be like. So, but I know Nick um, experimented with that motivation of trying to like understand yourself. Or... I was a full blown scientist in it. Yeah, it was, yeah, that was my so very different experiences yeah. that way. Yeah, I, I actually want to go back to your original question. Maybe I'll give you some experience in that too as well, or my experiences in that. I think about this in an anthropological sense. And me and Andrew were talking about this way before the mics were on. Uh, of uh, And Robin just pointed it out, is that human beings want to dissociate from reality. Uh, we want yeah. to get away from our suffering. And then in the light of now we're in you know, we're on cultish and we always talk about secret knowledge and secret this. And, and I, I yeah. have something that is one upped culture. Maybe somebody has thought about this before, but the general society doesn't know. And I now know kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, you, you see this uh, compelling nature in psychedelics, the uh, self uh, self-exploratory atmosphere, um, getting to know uh, things in the uncertainty. That is what people love to do. This, this goes back to the garden. I mean, they called it the, the, the tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil uh, for a reason. There's something um, that, uh, that man wants to know, um, and we want to fill that void. And it's dichotomous because we are built to submit to something mm-hmm. in a world that seems out of control. It's the whole beat them, you know, you can't beat them, join them. You cannot control your atmosphere or environment no matter how much you want to so if something uh, gives you enlightenment in that environment then you can submit properly we were made to submit we were made to submit to the almighty but we reject him and so we're going to submit to something else that maybe we can rule over and then gain some enlightenment too um, and uh, we want to try to dissociate ourselves from anything that would cause us to submit to to God and really that's that's really the anthropological sense of why we find these mm-hmm. kinds of things intriguing whether they're good or bad and we'll get into that um, uh, you know a little later on and then as far as my experience goes in this I did kind of the opposite. Uh, uh, Robin wanted to see the floor breathe. Mm-hmm. Now, I certainly saw the floor ble- uh, breathe. You know, I was actually talking to somebody uh, about Christ, and they go, oh, I believe in God. I just took mushrooms, and I met him. Right. Mm. And I go, mm. well, my sock was going to eat me one time, and <laughs> I'm not worshiping yeah. at the Temple of Haines right now. So <laughs> the I was, Temple of Haines. Yeah, I was high. And what would so that are, look like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what would I look like? Michael Jordan would be there. Michael Jordan would definitely be there. Michael Jordan would be there. Yeah, he'd be gambling on all of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I, I wanted to be intrigued. I was an atheist. And every hit of acid, every drop of psilocybin, um, and every toke of a blunt. Um, I was also into methamphetamines, which is really not a psychedelic, but can create a hallucinations uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, confirmed that there was no God, and all I had was what I know and what I'm going to know. And so I wanted to pursue that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, which was weird because everybody else that I would do drugs with, they confirmed that there was a God on it. Right. So it really uh, led me to, uh, you know, uh, to conclude that whatever you're bringing into psychedelics is just going to be enhanced. Whatever you already believe and whatever mm-hmm. you already think that you know will be enhanced with maybe some nuance. Mm-hmm. But you're bringing yourself into it. I and mean, you think about this logically. You know what you know. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to know anything outside of that until you gain that knowledge now here's the thing are we producing secret knowledge is there a professor is there a book that you're reading and this is when we get into pharmacia because they want to now use these psychedelics what Uh, not only to mitigate depression but counsel you on it to give you new knowledge and give you new perception Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what i wanted on psychedelics i didn't care about god i wanted to be you know, a genius. And I look at you and I look at your shirt and I look at your glasses and I go, Hannah Thompson. Yeah. And yeah. that's exactly what you think that yeah. too as well. Well, I did, but he, Jerry also told me that he had some Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I'm wearing, I'm excited. wearing this just for fun. Me so. too. Yeah. I'm going to try shirt, to be a little Yeah. The only, the only thing I'm micro dosing on today is some yerba mate and that's <laughs> it. So I, uh, I wanted to be Hunter S. Thompson. I dressed yeah. up like him twice for Halloween, two years in a row. <laughs> I watched all the movies. I watched uh, his documentaries. I read his books. Uh, his book on uh, hanging out with the uh, the Hell's Angels is very, very compelling. Right. I, I would uh, recommend that book to anybody uh, and seeing what they were involved with. But he yeah. was a drug user and he promoted peace. And I'm like, listen, he's promoting virtue and wisdom and knowledge. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a precept theologian then. So to right. me, I was just borrowing from the Christian worldview of why that would be important. Uh, but uh, that's what I wanted out of life. And if you were going to a trip with us, you take your frat boy mentality outside because if you uh, we're in here solving world problems, and if you can't get <laughs> right, with this us, is then a leave. Sacred, holy yeah. experience. Exactly. No yeah. burping. No <laughs> farting. No bubble noises. <laughs> don't try to scare me. Get out of here if yeah. you don't want to solve something. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. That, oh my gosh! I never took myself that seriously. Yeah. 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 And she, 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 Not I was, even a little bit. Well, it yeah. is. It is interesting too, just because I mean just with your past is that like you you becoming a christian uh was you coming into calvary addiction recovery center as an angry atheist wanting to wanting to with jeff (laughs) but you know and you came from a background of that too so it's just um right i just wasn't looking for i was looking for experience so i guess in that way still pursuing knowledge but you want sure. the, you wanted the chemical reaction yeah i mm-hmm. wasn't i was curious about what it would be like to experience it i wasn't looking for the like divine answers of the yeah. universe yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, also, I, I remember on our staff retreat, uh, we were hanging out and you were kind of talking a little bit about your past um, yeah. with like before Christ and and your interest kind of in that. And so I think I think you just shared that because I think it's also just kind of indicative of sometimes the reason behind the reason, like why this isn't a lure for people, but it's something that wasn't just, it wasn't just getting your bio, you know, your, your neurology or just having some sort of biochemical reaction that you just wanted. Um, and, and that's what's fascinating too, because when, when you talk about working in the uh, field of mental health, you know, if, if a psychologist is talking with a, uh, a patient, it's very different. If I, 
uh, get in a car accident and I break my arm, I get rushed to the hospital. I'm probably going to be placed uh, with someone who is familiar with, and let's just say it's, it's a break, whatever this bone is, I don't know. <laughs> and this bone right here, it's probably a painful break. It's going to be, I'm going to be placed with someone who's medically has studied, knows that bone, knows with all With an osteopath. The, yes. Right. They know the sinew and the tissue and everything <laughs> that entails and what to sew together. So, you know, hopefully my, my arm would be, be as best as possible fully functional. But when it comes to somebody who is a therapist or a psychologist and you're trying to diagnose, you know, or behavior health, you're kind of dealing with this weird cloud of something you can't necessarily see. And you're and, doing all the hand movements right for a psychiatrist. <laughs> so, yeah. That's exactly what we're doing. Here. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's I probably think. just a shirt. I'm just, I'm just in that mood. Um, but, you know, I, I think too, like with, with psychedelics, you kind of have this sort of a similar, a similarity in the sense that there is something tangibly going on mm-hmm. that's affecting, you know, your biochemistry and your neurology and how your brain is neurons are firing off but there's also something we can't see that Mm. jordan peterson was also talking about in that lecture so all that being said um just give me some of your thoughts so people can kind of understand that i was just uh, go ahead and do that so in in terms of what i'm hearing from uh jordan peterson even the culture at large it's like what we can see what is going on is people aren't satisfied with this material existence that they have. Right. Right. We have a culture of people who are the generation after the generation of the secular people being indoctrinated in Mm -hmm. the school systems that we have saying, you know, you're nothing, but uh, what I'll phrase what pastor James always says, ugly bags of mostly water. Right. So they're not getting the fill, but what better way in the society that we live in and just to take a pill and download that secret revelation Hmm. of your existence. Right. Like, Hmm. so we always want that special revelation. The Christian says, well, actually, we have it in the material realm because God has preserved his word for us throughout time to give us this special revelation of who we are, why we're here, who God is and what our purpose is in life. But once you reject that, you can go take you can go smoke uh, frog saliva that's been dried up on a cup and have a trip and download secret information within the matter of of a five or six minute trip where you come back and now you know all the secrets of the universe yeah you know it's it's quick it's fast it's downloadable it's fun it's repeatable yeah. yes so it wasn't just you're trying to escape and tune out you were trying to tap into something deeper oh me yeah. oh me personally no i wanted to see the floor breathe <laughs> and i also though at the same time of my life i i claimed christ Mm. So when I was doing these things, I knew it was wrong and I knew the information that I would get from it is not something that is good. Hmm. Mm. But the person that I was at this time is I wanted to hurt the God who made me. Yeah. Mm. And, um, I ended up just hurting myself. (laughs) You you, you know what I mean? But, um, (laughs) it was, yeah. Like mind you, yes, it was fun, but I never came into it thinking that the information that I'm going to receive here is better essentially than what God has already given me in yeah. his word. I was just a, uh, what, what is the word for it? I was just a teenager, yeah. right? Mm. Like I was making really dumb decisions mm. and yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard for me to understand in a sense. And maybe we'll go into this further, how you think, and I'm going to try to think about a Gnostic term saying you need to separate from the material realm, take a substance to get to a transcendental plane in order to receive this revelation. That's, uh, apart from the material, when you're literally going through the chemical reactions of a material object poisoning your brain to yeah. actually think of these things, it's because of something material that you're in this other realm. It makes no sense to me. It's, yeah. it's philosophically uh, inconsistent. So you're basically saying uh, you're high, dude. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's compelling, yes. nonetheless. I don't want to throw people under the bus and say those things. I understand the allure and the draw for oh, yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So let's just jump into this. And I think just to clarify earlier, when I was talking about the most recent, uh, I feel like it has had a, a just sort of a surge just with social media and yeah. people like Joe attention. Rogan. Yes, attention. A Russell mm-hmm. Brand, you know, people like Russell Brand. Uh, you know, just a broad variety of guests, even on the Joe Rogan experience. And, and it's almost, I think recently there was these funny Joe Rogan memes where he's like interviewing people. I even kind of share with them. They're kind of dark humor mm-hmm. where he's like interviewing Simba, you know, when Scar dies, it's a little uh-huh. dark humor, but in a couple of the ones I saw on this page, I was following like the joke, they made their own interviews where there's where Joe Rogan brings up DMT. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the guy's like, hey, you think DMT might be uh, something to do to cross over? And it's almost like Joe Rogan and DMT almost go hand in hand. So it's just something that has been popularized recently with different influencers and whatnot. Um, sure. So I think some of that is just like the social media age yes. that we live in. Yes. Like but- we have information to us immediately, which kind of feeds that, you know, addict. I want what I want, what I want it now mentality. Yes. But it, you are absolutely correct that there is nothing new under the sun. Yes. Historically, since the beginning of time, these uh, pharmacia, these mind altering substances have consistently been something to tap into uh, de- uh, deeper secret hidden knowledge. This was depicted in the movie 300 uh, when the uh, priest uh, goes to get an answer, um, you know, about from whatever the answer from the priest and the priest ends up getting a girl who is not inappropriately dressed, uh, very promiscuous and they get her on some mind altering substance and she taps into something and they get this revelation from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and again, if you look cross culturally, there's the, in that documentary, the stone ages, uh, they talk about that. Um, so yeah, it's just something that historically has been, the case and that's what we're going to talk about and, and, and go ahead give me your thoughts yeah i think it's good for the listeners to think about some assumptions as well from the jordan jordan peterson when he talks about the transcendental uh in terms of the religious experience number one is the assumption is that it's a good thing right mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. number two is that it's not delusional right so i just want i just want to keep those things in mind as we're as we're going throughout this uh episode mm-hmm. are you tapping into something good mm-hmm and is it good for you? That's yes. just one thing to remember. Okay. So before we jump into this, I'm going to play this clip. Uh, this <clears throat> is just an example of the resurgence in popularity. Uh, like I said, two years ago, uh, when I was first talking to Stephen Bancars, he mentioned ayahuasca because we were doing an episode on the New Age and the occult. Had no idea what that right. even was. And now something that is it's being normalized. So this is an interview from uh, the actress Megan Fox. She is on Jimmy Kimmel. And I believe Arsenio Hall was actually uh, taking the play, was the one conducting the interview. But this is uh, her uh, on the uh, Jimmy Kimmel show uh, talking about her experience taking ayahuasca uh, with her boyfriend, Machine Gun Kelly. Mm. So let's just listen to what is said here. And I want you to listen. And as you listen in, we're going to unpack why this matters. Like, why as Christians, we need to have an answer because worldview comes as a byproduct of this. We have to give an answer for what these experiences are. We can't just wave it off with a broad brush. So let's go ahead and play this clip and let's, uh, let's, now, let's analyze this. So we went to, we went to Costa Rica to do ayahuasca, like in a proper setting, like with indigenous people. And we were in the middle of the jungle. And I was thinking because the place we went, there's a lot of people like I don't know if LeBron James has ever gone, but it's like a place where like, they're like, these kinds of people go here to do ayahuasca. So I was thinking it was like 
glamping or something like that, it's still going to be like a some kind of five-star experience. And you get there and you really are in the middle of the jungle and you don't get to eat after like 1 p.m. You have to walk a very far distance to get your water. You can't shower because they're in a drought, so you can't use the water, obviously. Like you need to respect the rainforest. Mm -hmm. um, nothing glamorous about it. It's all a part of sort of making you vulnerable so that you surrender to the experience. And the entire thing starts with something called vomitivo. I hope I'm allowed to divulge this, that it's okay that I share, but oh. I'm encouraging it. Um, so you go, and we were with 20 other strangers, and you all line up at, like, the, the edge of the rainforest over this weird fence, and you go three by three, and you drink lemongrass tea until you, like, by not your own volition, just vomit everything out of your body. So you start, So you have to vomit. There's no way around that part. You can't get out of it, and you have to vomit a certain amount before they let you get back with everybody. So you're, like, cheering on everyone as they, like, they're left. And as, like, what we do, obviously, we were like, I don't, I don't know, I'm not, am I ready to just, like, throw up in front of all of these people? But it's such a good bonding experience. And <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but but that gets you ready to then go into the ceremony that night because you're like, I my vanity is gone. I've just done this in front of all of these strangers. And, like, now I'm ready to, like, really open up. So we did it for three nights. It was incredibly intense. I went to, everybody's journey is different. The second night I went to, to hell for eternity. Um, yeah. And to just knowing eternity is um, like t torture in itself because there was no beginning, middle or end. So you have like a real ego death. Okay. Um, <laughs> that is something that it, it's, you know, some people is like, that's just so crazy. That's so ridiculous. But there's part of me that my hair stood on end when I heard that. Because if you think about the reality as a Christian, you're thinking about the, the gospel is that uh, God sent his son, uh, Jesus Christ, to save us from hell. Mm -hmm. um, and that Walter Martin also has a quote when he, he talks about the world, world of the occult. He basically said that if hell's dimension, wh whatever is on the other side, that if hell's dimensions required God like to, to protect us, from that, and I'm paraphrasing it, if if it caused his, if it required God to send his only son to die on the cross, uh, whatever hell's dimensions may be, like it needs to be avoided at all costs. Mm. So there is a real seriousness as a Christian because the Bible is a dimensional book, um, and, and this is something that you know the Bible talks about. There's a there's a there's a physical realm. There's a real physical reality. There's a spiritual realm. There's an unseen realm. There are the heavenly places, but we also have the prince and power of the air. We have we have a basis and framework. What while we can't see with our eyes, and maybe I can use these these uh, fear and loathing Las Vegas glasses as a, as a <laughs> metaphor. But really, the Bible gives us the worldview uh, and a lens to look through where I believe that as Christians, I think we can make sense of what Megan Fox is experiencing. This is not anything special. It's new. It's kind of repackaged. You know, it's being, she's talking, she's this actress, you know, from the Transformers movies or whatever else she's been, she's been in on this popular night show and she's experiencing something. And I think we need, as Christians, we need to have an answer for that. Give me your thoughts. Well, yeah, I kind of wanted just to point something out that yeah. actually made me laugh. She goes, I go through a, a process called a vomitio. And then she ends up explaining that process. But I go, 
Um, we already know <laughs> what you're getting ready to do. Vomitio. <laughs> okay, you, you're, you're throwing up, right? No, okay, go on to the spiritual experience. And from an entertainment standpoint, she is bombing uh, right now. Uh, and the host didn't know how to engage. However, um, mm-hmm. she said that she had her own personal hell. And that word really intrigues me when you when you, when you think about person, uh, personal. I mean, she's reinterpreting it based off of herself. Now, hell, according to the Bible, is a place that the wickedness goes in, uh, in, a, uh, in a rightly deserved punishment is at. But if it's personalized, it's actually internalized to what you fear the most, not what you think you deserve. Mm. So this personal hell of her, she's like, I would hate going here because it's my worst fear. Um, and so I really, I really think that the, the human condition right here is showing us what she fears the most, not what she thinks that she deserves the most. And an all-encompassing thought, the spiritual experience that she could have had, now wants to justify herself so that she can get away from her worst fears and um, um, and continue to walk, you know, it, with the heart that she's uh, that he, she has, completely is staying away from judgment. Which, if you realize that there's a judgment, you could be born again, <laughs> um, right? Right. Um, and so I heard no compelling nature uh, that would want me to do psychedelics. Other, than, I already know my worst fears, and so I don't have to go through a process called vomitio. Um, and I already know, an uh, all-encompassing uh, thought, a personal hell would be vomitio. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, there's a lot of disorders that would say that mm. when we talk about uh, bulimia in that, uh, in that sense. But I, I get it. It's not the same. Um, but uh, I, would, uh, I would see her experience as what she personally fears and not what she personally deserves. So. Mm-hmm. I immediately likened it like the process that she explains they go through to like a domestic violence relationship so you are isolated you are like stripped Hmm. of your she called it what did she call it like an ego she called it ego yeah 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 yeah. um you are probably dehydrated and maybe not starved isn't the right word, but you stop eating, she said, after a certain point. So, like, there's sensory deprivation stuff mm-hmm. happening. Um, and then you ingest a substance that allows you to be brainwashed. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that sounds, like, very much the way that an abuser breaks down and manipulates somebody in a domestic violence right. relationship. Wow. Um, or uh, what Manson was doing mm-hmm. uh, using, you know, the Aston re- of Those day. things are, yeah. s- are separate things, but I feel like the similarities you know, worth pointing out. Um, Mind control. That's basically what's going on here. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it. I think first and foremost, it's important to recognize, like it's a real experience that she's having. I don't mean that she actually was transported in a metaphysical way to hell. Right. Mm-hmm. What I mean is she is perceiving this happening because like you said, this is about a chemical reaction that's happening in the brain that produces a certain set of effects. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, all that personal psychology stuff and her, you know, lived experience came together to manifest as like a personal hell. But so the experience when you hallucinate, when you have delusional delusional ideation. Mm -hmm. So when you become psychotic, whether it's from a psychedelic or something else, Mm -hmm. um, it's a real experience. Mm -hmm. You can taste it. You could touch it. It's real, but it's not. 
And so in my experience in, mm. uh, in drugs and not necessarily psychedelics um, in, you know, holistically, but methamphetamines too as well, which you can get a lot of euphoria and hallucinations out of that well. As right. Well. So just to say like the, the, the psychotic part of methamphetamine usually occurs as a result of sleep yeah, deprivation. Yes, exactly. So it isn't necessarily that like the chemicals, the dopamine that you're really messing exactly. with and that is causing a hallucination. It's that you haven't slept for five days. Sure. Yeah. And, 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 and I loved the auditorial uh, hallucinations uh, on there too as well. We've discussed this on our podcast. I, mm. Our podcast, podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're a professional radio guy. Right? Yeah. Um, I used to go into the bathroom all the time and flip on the fan because I would hear a baseball game, and I go and I would go in there and go, oh, "Who's winning today?" Kind mm-hmm. of thing like that. I, I I would do that. However, me bringing that up, um, I was. We talk about that personal stuff. You said it sounds like a, 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 a domestic abuse. I agree with you. Um, it's just a pattern that yeah, it's jumped just, out. Just a to pattern. Me. And and when I heard that word personal uh, personality, it, it really is internal desires in which you either enjoy or fear. I'm I'm not sure if she enjoys enjoys hell. Didn't sound like it. So right. I predicate that upon fear. Um, I lived that life as well. Um, I always lived by the what ifs on methamphetamines. What if there's a cop? What if they know? What if my neighbors are looking at me? What if somebody's following me? And you know that it's probably not, but the risk of it being there is so high, you will react to that every single time. It's your worst fear. And so, and you're completely stripped down and vulnerable uh, with these things. You talk about having the uh, mind open um, to vulnerability. Uh, that I would make decisions based off of what I knew logically probably wasn't happening, but what if? Yeah. And so um, I I start to... You you were paranoid. It's paranoid. I mean, Mm. that's basically what it is. Um, And my paranoia was a reaction to what I feared the most. Wow. So So I think, I mean, since we're discussing this, I think we could argue abuse of any substance, especially, especially like daily use of a substance is going to, I believe, open you in a way that makes you more susceptible to negative influence. Mm -hmm. And I mean specifically negative influence, not just from what's like tangible in your physical environment, Mm -hmm. but in this other like realm that we are kind of dancing around talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I do believe it makes you more susceptible and open to um, demonic attack, to spiritual attack. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it makes so much sense that if you, like a person can have a transcendental experience and believe that they know all the like secrets, answers to the universe, they would like, why would they look any further than that? I mean, it would, it, what a great tool the enemy could use to dissuade people. Right. And I say that, of course, acknowledging God's sovereignty, you know, mm-hmm. Satan does nothing without permission from the father, mm-hmm. but, um, I do believe that more in my experience personally and then in my observational experience, Mm. people who are using, especially like chronically using Mm -hmm. anything, psychedelic, stimulant, whatever it is, um, are just more open, more susceptible to that. Yeah. yeah. Very vulnerable. I mean, even in her situation when you're going down to Central America to do ayahuasca, you have someone guiding you through the process. So you're ultimately submitting yourself to an authority, like you said, uh, in terms of the abuse situation. But what blows my mind too is how much people, how far they're willing to go to sacrifice 
the health of their own body, sacrifice their sanity in order to achieve some type of self-understanding or peace. Mm -hmm. When the beautiful thing about the God of the Bible is he says, no, you can never sacrifice yourself mm -hmm. to understand who I am and why you're here. It's actually me who comes and I sacrificed myself for you. Right. So you could have peace with God. But men, we, we, or humanity goes such the opposite direction. And I, and I believe she, she had a spiritual experience. But again, the question mm. is, is was it good? Yeah. Like Jordan mm. Peterson said, well, they can't be delusional because these people who are doing these types of uh, psychedelics, they end up not having the fear of death. Right. So that must that must not be a bad thing. Well, I mean, the Bible says Romans 318, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Mm -hmm. That's a bad thing to not have a fear of God before your eyes. I think a healthy fear of death is a is a wonderful mm -hmm. thing to have. Yeah, I think it's delusional not to. Mm -hmm. I would argue the exact opposite. So, right. I think that he, Jordan Peterson is speaking to this idea that somebody who is dying knows they are going to die does. And I, I missed if he like talked about microdose or macrodosing. But experiences relief from that anxiety over their imminent mm. death coming. Um, the problem, like, so I mean, for a Christian or not Christian, I don't really have any problem with trying to provide somebody comfort and care in their final moments. My issue with it is if you are re like removing somebody's fear of death, which like then potentially completely um shut them off well it, i mean what you don't need the cross right mm -hmm. if you're not afraid of dying and what will happen when you do why would i mean why would you continue to look for like look more that's why, exactly what i'm saying yeah mm -hmm. so i mean a cognitively apathetic disposition towards anything could be damaging right i've now, had this experience yeah. i know it's real yeah so i don't have to look so, any further i don't have to challenge that yeah i don't have to like evaluate it hold it up against anything mm -hmm. um which is why i mean we're on cultish we, we we talk to the lds uh people all the time i've had personal revelation god spoke right. to me i know that the church is true here's my testimony oh gosh and, and listen that's up the end guys of the, conversation. Yeah. the heart is deceitful above all things <laughs> do not be making decisions about anything based on how how you feel yeah. about it seriously it is the wrong reason to make a decision about yeah. something well, you know and, <clears throat> and and that brings me uh, to a point and i hope you don't mind me continuing yeah, uh, here uh so but, good, good stuff here. we appreciate uh, this we talked about pharmacia in the beginning of it um and of course that is the elephant in the room when are we going to talk about kind of pharmacia uh but well i, I think that actually maybe that I think that is something I want to, is that where you're going to, you want to, yeah, that's what right I was going to go down. Yeah, to, yeah. Let, let's do this. When we talk about pharmacia, because we are kind of going to get into the elements of, uh, the different types of psychedelic, uh, mm -hmm. people, how people ingest them, how people take them, mm -hmm. uh, just because, you know, this is just something that's is, this is a conversation, a cultural conversation, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. So even if you're not familiar with this, I think as much exposure this is getting, even if you are parents, uh, you have young kids, uh, I would not be surprised if you, know, you may have someone who goes over to your friend's house, mm -hmm. you know, who's 12, 13 years old. And uh, it's like, hey, do you want a microdose? Um, you know, I had, I remember I was 12 years old and I had, uh, my friend Ben Fry, I uh, lived in Prescott, Arizona. And he said, uh, he started telling me about his Ouija board mm. that he was doing and he was seeing, you know, different, uh, lettering that was mm. being written across his wall. Uh, you know, he was seeing it wasn't real, but it looked like things are being written in his room and uh, written in blood. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just, 
it was one of those times where this kid was like would tell tall tales. I just knew as a kid he wasn't lying. In the same way, so in the same way, how I experienced that, I think there's a lot of people. You know, if you have kids who are going to be exposed to this stuff, and it's, sure. I think you know when I have kids, this is something you're going to have to like disciple them and just be have them be aware of the, not shelter them but prepare them to give an answer that's just one one particular example but what we want to do is let's talk about pharmacia uh but let's give some let's make a basis first of all let's talk about there are good medicinals out there um especially when it talks to you know especially in the world of mental health which is what your podcast focus on mm-hmm. it's um you know there's there's reality of certain medications that sometimes are needed for uh, depression, uh, anxiety, um, you know, what have you. And that's something that sometimes is needed, just given the take. Um, so there is a proper place. Some people will abuse the uh, passage of pharmacia to say, no, you can't take medication. You just have to trust God. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's talk, talk real quickly about what are, what is something that's good and then give examples of that and make it, let's make a basis for that. And then we'll kind of go into what crosses that dividing line from mm-hmm. something that's been, that's truly authentically medicinal into something that'd be pharmacia. Okay. So I don't think that has anything to do with the substance itself. Okay. I think it has to do with your heart. Yeah, the it. intention uh, through it. And um, we'll describe yeah. that, but go yeah. on. Um, right. Yeah. So that's not to say that there aren't certain substances that pose higher risk when you use them than others, because mm-hmm. that's true. But I don't think that anything inherently is like good or bad in that way. It's are you sinning or are you not being sinful? Yeah. And that yeah. I think it like there is a range there of gray area not in the like sense that god is unclear about what sin is or what it isn't but like a spectrum where people fall differently right so like what is um like rips the conscious and one conscience in one person might not in another right mm. so that's really what i'm speaking about um so psychedelics i feel like we should probably define what that is mm-hmm. right since that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. um and just like I find this is so funny in all research. Whenever you go to answer a question, the answer is pretty typically, and we're not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, yeah that. so <laughs> that's anyway, what science gives you. Oh, um, maybe we're wrong. The yeah. chemical processes, the compounds, and the the um, mechanisms of action vary across this group of substances. But typically, um, we're talking about um, okay. Ready? I'm um, theogen right? Uh, They are entheogens. So this is a Greek word that's supposed to mean generating the God within. Mm -hmm. Okay. So these are substances or compounds that promote quote, and this is from the Leafly website. If anybody's not familiar with Leafly, you can look it up. Um, They're understood as compounds that promote life altering experiences, encourage profound insights into the nature of life and consciousness. Um, And then the term also, like acknowledges the spiritual aspect of Mm. the substance itself. So psilocybin. So you find that most commonly in mushrooms, like magic mushrooms would be the kind of the colloquial way we talk about that. Um, LSD, MDMA, DMT, ayahuasca, and mescaline. Mm. So we were talking before we started recording Jerry about cannabis and cannabis can produce some, psychedelic effects Mm -hmm. but it's not typically considered 
a psychedelic for the most part. Although there are people that would argue you should put it in that category too. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's what we're talking about when we say psychedelics. We're talking about these substances and variations of them. And regarding cannabis, it would be just how you're taking it. Edibles or ingestion would produce some of that psychedelic content. I mean, you can have yeah. you can have a psychotic response in, after you ingest it in any way. Smoke right. it, mm-hmm. eat it, whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's good. No, that that definitely that definitely makes sense. And I think um, so. So like, just like Doug Wilson always says, like, I'm going to smoke this cigar to the glory of God. Right. Yeah. Like, so yeah. that's the attitude that we should have. If Christ sets you free, like we are free indeed. Right. Mm-hmm. Where is your heart behind it? Are you worshiping this like an idol? Like, yeah. are you coming down and bowing before it and polishing it when you should be worshiping Jesus? So. I mean, how can you make even a general statement about that Mm -hmm. being good or bad inherently? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. So now if you are using substances like the the psychedelics that we just named in order to promote that spiritual experience, even if you're not like abusing it, that is a really bad idea Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, I mean, especially the way they do it, we'll talk about it a little bit. It's much more like pharmacia esque than even kind of what you would assume, right? From right. the and then uh, and, and so they're really predicating upon you know psychedelics upon you know health benefits and fitness benefits and uh, mm-hmm. psychological benefits and things like that. And we don't deny the existence of those things. However, it's like a maybe physical medical things uh, such as cardiovascular disease or, or cluster headaches. Psilocybin has been proven to mitigate the symptoms of that, if not totally just wipe them away, especially cluster headaches. Uh, but there is no pursuit of knowledge or self-discovery or worshiping other gods in right. controlled environment instead of taking 10 liters of oxygen to the head uh, to clear your cluster, uh, cluster headaches. You take a half a gram of psilocybin uh, mushrooms or whatever form uh, that they give them. And all of a sudden you have no cluster headaches. Well, right. And depending yeah. depending on if you're doing like if it's a micro dose or a macro dose, it's actually yeah. a micro gram so yeah um and those seem to help and i have actually no problem with that except mm -hmm. here's the thing the biological responses to those things could open you up and susceptible but we do live in a society with opioids and everything else Mm -hmm. that could do the same thing so it's always with caution yes always with caution but notice and i'm going to go back to the jordan peterson thing where he says that beware these are the you know the, the the fruits of the gods and things like that right and notice the only time that you can actually be cautionable or be, uh, you know be aware of something is in the lucid mind and mm-hmm. so it takes lucid you know lucidity. It takes, yeah lucidity to actually make an informed decision you don't go into illucid uh, to make sense of the lucid. Right. Right. Which is, I think, one of the reasons it. why I yeah. never expected to have any profound experience on any of these substances because yeah. I knew I was going to be high. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, I don't want to, I'm not going to give a dissertation on anything in that state of mind <laughs> um, well, or like my, you know, experience of it. But uh, Ben Greenfield is kind of popular uh, right now. He's a fitness guy. If you go to Ben Greenfield, uh, uh, fitness.com, he talks about all kinds of drugs that he's benefited from in health. Um, and I just wanted to give a little statement. He goes, my personal experience with compounds such as LSD, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, Um, uh, even ketamine, he mentions, he goes, these compounds have spanned several years of quarterly heavy psilocybin and DMT dosages uh, for personal self-discovery. So we have self-discovery, 
uh, uh, LSD microdoses for creativity and productivity, and then Iboga microdosing, which is a plant in South Africa, for pre-workout boost. And so um, I'm willing to discuss the pre-workout boost um, uh, and and, and what do you mean by that? Uh, But the personal self-discovery and creativity and productivity, though we do not, would not as Christians deny those as important, would see probably that as pharmakia um, in, in, in taking these substances because Christ upon regeneration and following him shows you all of that. If you really, um, if you really read the word, creation comes from the creator so why mm. wouldn't he help us in creativity and productivity well, and now like your that. psychological goal is not self-discovery because you have uh, the ability to put yourself in the right like perspective position to right. christ so it isn't this like you don't have the same motivation for spiritual experiences and self-exploration or you i mean you shouldn't hopefully through in sanctification, right? right? Because your focus is no longer you. Mm-hmm. You are not at the center of your story, the crosses. I mean, right? just look at church history and with all of the brilliant minds, the philosophers and the theologians that Christianity's produced, it's always been a thinking and wisdom, religion and faith that has produced more art, more anything that psychedelics have done. Um, we just like, you know, right. colors nowadays and, well, you know, so that's what I was gonna so say, like, wear that shirt. if you can yes. get a pre-workout <laughs> boost from anything else, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. yeah. Um, not eating pizza usually does that. It's so fun. The last time that I did any of this, it was definitely pre-salvation, but the last time I did any of this, I remember thinking, I think um, like day three of the, just like coming down hangover from all of it. And it was, I had, it was acid. Um, like. I am never doing this again. It's exhausting. I can see how people do really messed up crap on it. Like just out of your mind. It was like, it was so, it was so exhausting. So why you would like choose my opinion to like put yourself through that unless there was some significant medical benefit, like what you're talking about there, there is a lot of research right now supporting the me- like medicinal effects of psilocybin specifically, but variations of in the treatment of things like migraine, cluster headaches, mm-hmm. because its chemical composition is mm-hmm. very, very close to serotonin. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anything. Just real quick to describe, what is, mila- is psilocybin? Psilocybin. Psilocybin. Mushrooms. Right. So that's, oh, okay. that, that would be the ingredient, the chemical compound that's in magic mushrooms that mm-hmm. makes you... Hallucinate. People still call it ma- magic mushrooms. Well, yeah, we are. We just went shrooms. I just bruh. said shrooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that magic stuff in there. Uh, we're guys. Okay, so yeah, females will say magic mushrooms. Maybe. Right. <laughs> well, and so and maybe like you know, even in the future, we can spend because I have a full like history of so like our you know our our longest to go evidence for use of these kinds of substances. In rituals, especially, which is kind of what we're talking about, like at least what Megan Fox did was absolutely a ceremonial, right? Yeah, you know, straight process. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It absolutely was. Mm-hmm. Um, There's nothing that she was shown that Christ cannot show you on a deeper and a more right. objective level. I just just don't see it. You know, uh, 
uh, you know, upon regeneration, the exposure, like when I was taking uh, psychedelics, I was exposed. I'm like, I'm this, I'm that. I was very self-deprecative. It became more self-deprecative, which was the product of, I used to do stand-up comedy, which was the product of my writing. Um, but then I remember coming to Christ and I'm on the moment of regeneration. That was the definitive moment. I am a man of unclean lips. And it was just yeah. like Isaiah. I was exposed. I was so joyful that a God loved me. But when I, I felt that joy and then all of a sudden I took a step back and I realized how much I was making fun of Christ in my comedy, how much I rebelled against him, what I was doing to other people. No, uh, uh, no amount of mushroom ever did that for me because the worldview that yeah. I had was nihilistic. So I brought that into my psychedelic experience. Right. But he took me out of that and gave me a better experience. You're a sinner and I love you. Mm -hmm. And that was so profound because when you're exposed objectively and you know that you don't deserve these things, and he gives you something that you don't deserve, his grace, his mercy, his love, by way of exposure, that was just, that was more profound than any kind of psilocybin. Yeah, so, so it's almost like we, when we're doing mind-altering substances in the forms of uh, hallucinogenics and psychedelics, the God that you tend up, you end up worshiping and magnifying is, is the God you've already been yeah. creating yourself in your right. mind. Personal hell, self-discovery, right. all of these things are predicated upon who? Yeah. So so what I find interesting, too, about the God of the Bible, uh, the true and living God, is the fact that he's not at people's beck and women call. You mm -hmm. don't just take a pill and God's here to show himself to yeah. you. No, it's the exact opposite in the Bible. It's yeah. actually on his terms, on his time, yeah. and he reveals himself to his people, not there, there's no uh, special ingredient right. to have God uh, no. reveal himself to you. You mean you don't have to walk through the jungle in Costa Rica and vomit <laughs> in front of 20 strangers? Right. And, yeah. Well, and instead, actually, through through the gift of the Holy Spirit, I can have communion with God by actually praying and presenting yeah. myself before him, pleading through the righteous robes of Christ, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's a beautiful thing that I have constant communion with God. I don't actually have to put my body through crazy amounts of stress, which is one thing I don't understand how that's not necessarily being talked about in these circles. The very, the very fact, like you said, when you were doing LSD, that's stressful on Ugh. your body. It's not You're good exhausting. for you in the long it, run. It is exhausting. It's yeah. exhausting. I'm not sure about and the whole microdose scene or anything like that, but I'm just, yeah. just from years of yeah. my own personal Stop. drug use, I can tell you my body suffers because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, just the one thing I want to compliment, I appreciate you. Like that's the thing I love about you, dude, is that like you just, I think it's one thing we have both have in common. You both wear our hearts on our shoulder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's and, all over your shirt. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you really like my shirt. Um, but it's, it's an easy target. He's analyzing you, bro. I think the fact that you brought up your relationship with Christ mm -hmm. and how God saved you mm -hmm. um, and, and, the, and how you compared it versus the times you would try and find mm -hmm. that peace and that meaning and that knowledge uh, through these different substances is that both they're really they're part and partial they're, they're the same thing uh they're you are trying to cross over into into another dimension mm -hmm. in order to obtain what we are created for because mm -hmm. we're image bearers of god god's right. created eternity as he has created eternity in our hearts mm -hmm. but the bible says there's only one way to cross over in a way which you will have truly have peace and that is the mediator between god Amen. and man and between god the he how to cross over properly into the heavenly places and that is the lord jesus christ mm -hmm. and what he did on the cross so that is really 
if we could speak of this one way, this that's the ultimate trip. Like mm-hmm. this yeah. the, that's the ultimate trip of the soul. Like Amen. Walter Martin talked about that because that is something that. you don't you, you don't have to find peace through puking your brains out for three days through drinking lemon water. Um, you don't need to think you're going to hell. Uh, like Christ, he's the one who bore God's wrath. Yeah. You can avoid hell. Like you, you don't have to deal with that it's because that, beautiful that has been paid for. <laughs> Why don't we talk about that more? And I appreciate yeah. the compliment too as well. You know, Jordan Peterson talks about, you know, it's revolutionary that psychedelics have shown us the immaterial world. And if they really mm-hmm. are, it's revolutionary. And then we found some kind of substance to bridge the gap between the material and the immaterial. But you just described the mediation of Christ mm-hmm. already doing that into, into where in that lens you experience Christ in all of things in yeah. this podcast, in your writings, in your eatings, mm-hmm. uh, in your uh, uh, conversing with people. He is preeminent and um, uh, omnipresent in both the material and immaterial world. And and I go nothing, nothing just has ever given me that experience to where now the material and the immaterial, um, they're not at odds. Yeah. They're not Mm. at odds. They're, they're working like parallel lines in eternity kind of thing. And I am in the middle with Christ in, in all of it for all of eternity. Wow. And it's because of him, why this is even exists in the first place, which gives me more compassion for people because that's a part of the order that I'm in. Um, and, and and it's all started with the love of Christ. And of course, if he didn't love us first, we would refuse him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me ask, let me ask this too. Uh, Maybe we could, there are a lot of people who asked some really good questions sure. uh, in our social media. And maybe I could kind of direct this one as you too, because we're, we're just happening. Mean, this is literally, there's so much to this whole discussion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we're only going to scratch the surface. They've already, already been in an hour. We have like 30, yeah. roughly a little over 30 minutes left. Um, but is it because it's, it's crossing over both into just spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, people being trying to be spiritual because people have that vacuum us uh, being normalized as we talked about. But mm-hmm. in regards to the field of mental health, uh-huh. uh, there is someone by the name of Donna Walter. She asked this question on our social media. And I just said, what quite, and this is the post I did said, what questions do you have about psychedelics, uh, DMT and its relation to mental health? Mm-hmm. Um, and she and I don't know what study this is, but it's probably indicative of a lot of different universities that are coming out with these studies. Uh, so there is a study considering whether one dose of a psychedelic uh, could help someone with severe PTSD to relieve symptoms for years. The thought is that it could reset the brain. So no flashbacks, intrusive thoughts or whatever. I forget where I saw it, but uh, I think, you know, she just is giving an example. And this is a case, maybe your thoughts, because... I remember when you first sent me what your uh, thesis was when you wrote oh, yeah. your doctorate. It was just kind of like, what? <laughs> I feel I feel like I became that gif. Like I kind of like it was that guy. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, the redhead guy. But you know, you mm-hmm. you understand trauma. That's your specialty. You've done a lot of research on it. And I think one of the things too I love about your podcast again please if you want to check out just listen to all the episodes you did one i think on trauma on ptsd on ptsd yes and so i think pete like just the whole concept of trauma and ptsd i think the christian worldview is the only 
really worldview that can make sense ultimately of PTSD mm -hmm. because it's almost a presuppositional apologetic mm -hmm. for the nature of reality and how we are to view the world is presupposing a way things should be, oh, wow. a way we should view the world when through goodness and wholeness and everything else but we don't do that we we see one thing and and we have something that affects us you know if someone's molested as a child when they're mm -hmm. younger or if they are a veteran and you know like i know a story of uh someone who uh this guy i know he was he was a local guy in, in a ktar here in phoenix i think his name was daryl and carlo and he had a story of his son who uh, i don't know if he was an army ranger but there was an operation in iraq where he had a whole platoon of his buddies. Uh, they were going to go on this operation. They went in, all, majority of his platoon went in this Chinook helicopter. For some reason, last minute, you're going over here. Uh, that Chinook helicopter crashed with the majority of his people. Um, he survived. Mm -hmm. So while he didn't see the IED, he didn't see that. It was all this severance trauma, survivor's guilt, um, all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I know you have, that's something you're passionate about. You come from a military family. You've have, you know, you have a huge love and passion for uh, military veterans. You know, veteran suicide is such, is something at such an astronomical rate. Um, and it's such a huge need for Christians to be able to have resources for that. So, sure. um, yeah, just give us some of my thoughts. Like what, what do we do with PTSD and and like how do, how do we how do we unpack this? Help sure. us out with that. So, I think we should set the stage a little bit for the different types of research that have been conducted. Yeah. Um, and define some stuff. So we've been using the term um, microdosing. I think it's off. Things are getting real right now. Or pension. Yeah. We're getting <laughs> um, so we've we've mentioned microdosing a couple of times. So. Yeah. Primarily, um, and yeah, maybe we can do like follow up as episode where we get into the history of it because it's just interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, um, but uh, inter renewed interest in research in psychedelics started in the 50s and 60s. In the 70s, psychedelics were made controlled substances, so research stopped essentially in the United States, mm. and then it picked back up again in the 2000s. Like, that's the rough timeline of it. Um, so that being said, like we've used these substances, like I said earlier, from like the beginning of time. Okay. So since we started doing research again, we've looked at how people respond to large doses of psychedelics and small doses. So like mega dosing, that's my term. That's not a clinical term. And then micro dosing, which is kind of the pop culture term that's going around. So, um, I can send you if you're interested in the actual studies that I looked at. Um, but something that I was interested to learn and did not know, um, the studies that look at individuals and their reaction to psychedelics being dosed with psychedelics when they get given a large dose or a macro dose, mm -hmm. right? Um, any somewhere around 25 milligrams of the substance one or two times we see like crazy significant effect like results in the positive for reduction in anxiety depression post-traumatic stress symptoms like you see tons and tons of positive effect with a macro dose 
every single study that I found, every paper that I found, shows like shows no statistically significant effect in microdosing. Mm. Okay, so a microdose would be one or two, or, I'm anywhere from like one to four times a week, a, f- a few weeks of a dose between 0.5 and 1.25 micrograms. Mm. So that's one millionth of a gram, right? So the reason I emphasize that is it's a very desperate difference between a microdose and then these like mega or macro doses that are happening across research. So for the most part, I mean, I could not find a single study that indicated clinically significant results with microdosing for anything related to mental health or any of the medical stuff that we talked about, like migraines, cluster headaches, that kind of stuff. However, there is significant positive effect in individuals who experience one or two large doses Mm. of psychedelics. So for everybody out there that's interested or curious about microdosing, that's just what the research says so far. Mm -hmm. There haven't been, you know, tomes and tomes of studies, you know, especially good studies, double blind studies with placebo control because we just haven't. It, I mean, and been doing it long enough the last 20 years it, or so. And there's so many variants and, you know, anybody, you know, any clinician or even doing statistics worth their salt will never predicate anything upon a single variant cause. Uh, we'll also do further sampling. You have gender to take into account. You have environment. You have socioeconomic status. You have what their prior knowledge to the study before they go in. You, you never know within these studies that you're going to, you're going, when you like, okay, you look at the study and go, okay, now it's safe. You never know how you're going to react because the conditions are not going to be the same with inside of the study to your personal experience. Um, and so you really have to do a long-term history and case studies with these things before you make any kind of uh, uh, definitive answer. Yeah. Right. Um, a lot of the studies talk about, um, they kind of phrase it different, like the semantics are changed from study to study, but essentially what's like a positive effect bias. So if an individual goes into like a microdosing session, let's say, um, and expects that this is going to provide some kind of insight, some kind of relief, some kind of positive experience, mm. um, that typically happens, mm. right? Like a placebo, <laughs> but it actually it, does something. But it actually does something. It, so, right. I mean, but it is technically uh, like it's a version of a like, placebo yeah. effect, right? Um, so, yeah. So, that's where the research kind of lies right now. So to answer her question specifically, um, or I guess to more unpack the unpack the statement, um, theoretically, if the idea is to induce what would like ultimately be a seizure, like a chemical reset, an electrical reset of the brain in any disorder as a, platform to i don't know help you like erase experience integrate experience i'm not really sure what the hypothesized mechanism is behind that i i will say however that's it's not that's not a new idea people have been playing around with interrupting somehow 
like consciousness and post-traumatic stress disorder for a very long time with regard to being able to yeah. combat symptoms. That's, that's what I was toying over with. Like, uh, I don't, maybe the question just wasn't asked right or something like that because like eliminating fat flashbacks, that's what I, that's what I heard. And I go, well, then you would have to eliminate a memory. I think she was just using yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, like as an example, these yeah. are symptoms somebody with PTSD can have. Yeah. And what she had heard was that yeah. not, you know, for the most part, symptoms are, totally gone after a dose of whatever yeah and, um, and basically that's transforming the mind we know how well therapy and counseling and romans 12 1 says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind will cause significant less systems uh, 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 symptoms when you build up resilience <clears throat> and so basically I, I you know if they're testing psychedelics with ptsd they're they're looking to build some kind of resilience or even ignorance uh, to the situation mm -hmm. to where I, I would be afraid of that. I would probably hmm. want objectivity to build up the resistance. Yeah, the, like, like what I was thinking is, you know, at first lobotomy sounded great. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, biomedically, yeah. you can say that they so stopped a bar going all, through your eye. Yeah. all types of things from happening. But I mean, even like shock therapy, in a sense, it stops things well, they from happening. They still do it. Yeah. Well, like, that's what I'm almost thinking in the sense of this. It's almost like a... Um, a mental spiritual shock therapy yeah. for uh, forgetting and and things <laughs> of that nature so my, my question is it's like where how do we conduct research i i understand it's in at least in the united states america and the western civilization it's a purely like biomedical mm -hmm. research right. but mm. what what about the spiritual aspect of the person who's taking these psychedelics yeah, I mean, and what are the effects so the, you know? all that stuff for the most part's getting cataloged in these mm -hmm. experiments too so they're you know subjective experience what they report is you yeah. know taken and analyzed and you know depending on what metrics they're focusing on for their study it's either like the primary emphasis or it's secondary or not included at all but it's all getting recorded mm -hmm. um i mean if you're a good researcher you know how many inches your table is from the ground at any point in the room mm -hmm. so because you have to you have to um account for all of that when you're doing a study oh yeah um I think we don't know long-term effects of any of this stuff. God is very, very clear in scripture about what we can expect when we become Christians, right? Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I say this all the time, so I'm going to say it again. Um, we get Christ and we get suffering. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, please don't hear me say that you should suffer more um when the opportunity to experience relief is there, I don't think I'm not saying making that blanket statement, but I am going to posit that the avoidance of suffering is perhaps like the one suffering we could ultimately avoid. We aren't getting out of it. Suffering draws us closer to Christ, right? Yep. Because it brings us back to the beginning. The thing that we faltered on right at right at the the beginning of time in the garden. Yeah. All I need is you, and I don't ever have to doubt that. Yeah. Right. So, <clears throat> ultimately, if you are erasing from memory experiences, even though those memories might cause suffering, should like should you be doing that? I guess is my what I'm asking. Ethics, yeah. Um, so like if there is a bio, like a biochemical interruption that helps mitigate some of the really debilitating symptoms of PTSD and you can achieve that effect by dosing them with some type of psychedelic, 
that doesn't like not enough to induce that full hallucinatory experience. If you're not trying to do any kind of weird like guided meditation or lead through, which is how most of this is done, mm -hmm. right? Argue like I would make the argument that okay, like in that circumstance, you're talking about taking it like insulin the way a diabetic would, right? Yeah, right, right? If you're dosing because you can't function because you have cluster headaches and one small dose that doesn't mess with your like psychological properties, your ability to test reality gets rid of those for months on end. I would say amen. Oh yeah. my gosh. Right. Mercy. Do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. do it. A Please do great. it. Yeah. You know? If you are using hallucinogen, like any type of psychedelic, any substance whatsoever to draw you closer to God, you're missing the point. Mm. Okay, Christ is the mediator and you're not going, you're just not going there. Like there would, if Christ is the answer to that, the separation, right, between us and God, why would there be another answer? Right. Yeah, I, I had a thought on that too. And you, know, and you just, just, I'm just thinking, I mean, you guys are a lot more versed in this than than, than I am. And I, I feel like I'm just sort of drinking from the fire hose a little bit. But in a good way, I'm just thinking through uh, Jim Wilson's book, How to Be mm. Free from Bitterness. Yeah. Um, you know, he kind of deals with a memory. Like he talks about memory in it. Um, yeah. And he talks about, for example, how the one he says, the one thing for certain is that bitterness remembers details. Mm -hmm. um, oh, oh. Like, you know, and all of a sudden... But Wow. Like not necessarily accurately though. Right, right. Because you could <laughs> at a point, and usually bitterness is is depicted by, for example, the level of the closeness of the person. So, if someone cuts you off in the middle of traffic, it might be like, you know, and you try and bite your tongue and not say things that are not the words please and thank you or whatever. But um, you know, it's just it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, but you know, five minutes later you forget about it. But in a situation, let's just say, you're close to someone. Uh, it's a marriage. That person cheats on you. Uh, goes through a divorce. That moment, uh, there's a memory of being somewhere at a sunset. You know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, that new level of where you're at and the nature of that relationship. There's a new filter. There's going to be a new uh, new lens mm -hmm. in which and how you're going to uh, view that. Yeah, view that experience. And, and so, right. like the one thing too is that. In that particular instance, the, the goal is not getting rid of the memory. No. It's it's about understanding that, like trusting God, that he's using that. Like God has used suffering. He's used, like me, sometimes he's used certain relationships to put me into like the wood chipper, like sandpaper. Um, I would have not been where I am today if it wasn't for those trials mm -hmm. um, and that has made me a better person and I never would have become the person I if I am today if I somehow just you know like yeah. like you've been erased <laughs> you know ha have that like memory yeah. erased um, so I think it's a good point and I think this is just one of those things too is that and this is why we're kind of just really bringing to all these different topics is that there are fundamental assertions of mm. what people are trying to do they're trying to use these psychedelics as a sort of mediator mm. to accomplish healing from that and i'm thinking of like hebrews 5 verse 8 uh, uh it says that jesus he learned obedience from what he suffered mm -hmm. um 
you know, there's a funny meme I saw where it says, Lord, give me a sign. The sign, the sign just said suffer. And yeah. I don't know if it was misspelled, <laughs> if there's a glitch or something. It's, <laughs> but, um, it's the answer, isn't but it? But yeah, yeah. Those, are just, those are just some of my thoughts uh, as far as that's concerned. Andrew, what's on your mind? Yeah, I think it, it highlights the differing, the difference between suffering and grace and suffering through the wrath of God. Like mm-hmm. if we look at Romans 5, it says this, it says, Through him we also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, wow. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, as a Christian, we have the ability to make sense of our suffering through the ultimate good that God has prescribed for us. Mm-hmm. Part right. of our medication of our spiritual condi- condition is to humble us, right? And it's right. his discipline and through his love that we suffer. Whereas the ungodly yeah. in his wrath don't have loving discipline from a God, but they're facing yeah. the judgment and the consequences of their actions. You can't escape that. And mm-hmm. any substance that would take away the endurance needed in suffering, I, mm. I want to ultimately reject unless it is unnecessary suffering. Mm-hmm. So there is categories of yes, suffering, right? right? Yeah. The God ordained, I'm giving you this because I create adversity and you need to consider that joy and adversity come from me. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Fine, that's the, the book of Ecclesiastes. But then there is... Um, you know, I've done drugs and of course I'm going to suffer kind of thing like that. But then do I really want to take another substance to mitigate or to take away that suffering that God can ultimately form and shape for good to build you up and to form mm-hmm. you in his image? Uh, Jerry just gave me a compliment. You're wearing your heart on your sleeves. You know why? Because my heart's been broken and ripped out so many <laughs> yeah. times because of my own sin. Yeah, I demolished. And when you said bitterness remembers details. That's I, heavy. Yeah, I... I I thought of a conversation me and Robin had. I, I was talking about a few trips that I've been on, and I'm like, this is what she goes, how do you remember those so much? And I go, because there were defining moments of my life, and with the heart that I have now, I take a look back, and it was utterly wicked and mm-hmm. sinful, and I don't like it. And it's so, sort of the similar ways of bitterness. I remember details because I remember what I do not want to be. The book mm-hmm. of Job says this, uh, God is speaking to Job and he says, lay a hand on it. Remember the struggle. Never do it again. Yeah. I'm glad that I have my memories. Yeah. Though they burn, they sting. And wow. I don't like them, but I know that it's producing uh, uh, an eternal weight of glory that fars outweighs what yeah. I'm going through. Yeah, at the and, and, and for me, like my past, when I have things and ways where I've I've had failures and when I've sinned against other people, and and you know God put me through some situations to kind of like break me of that, where it's like I realize that I'm not I'm not my past, like I'm me, mm-hmm. and you know I'm not the person who's made these mistakes. Uh, I'm the person who's learned, and that is still there. I'm aware of it, but now it's like fuel to say never again. Um, you know, and I'm also like, obviously I could do that again, but I feel like I'm a lot more self-aware of my weaknesses and my tendencies and, you know, and again, we're, when we're talking about, uh, from, you know, a a psychological therapeutic standpoint, we all have our families of origins. We, people have their, uh, traumas, uh, there are different things that explain all of us. All of us have had our own individual traumas. But those things as Christians though, those things can on some level explain us, but they do not ultimately define, define us. us. Right. Um, I think that's Christ that's yeah. what I think that's really what differentiates between people, even secularism, is that people look 
at their trauma or these or things that happen to them and that becomes who they are and they right. can't and it's a vicious cycle and there's no way to get out of it oh, um, yeah right it one, becomes part the, it, it doesn't just become part of their identity it becomes their entire identity yeah Mm -hmm. um, so one other question that was a really good, and I'm trying to find the exact quote, but she's basically saying, um, like, how do you uh, differentiate between, um, let me find it. So uh, Craig, who, who uh, commented on our uh, Facebook, he said, and then we kind of talked about this a little bit, but maybe we can kind of broadly deal with it because there are questions here that literally could be another podcast. Right. Um, but he says, why are why are many Christians so set against psychedelics and marijuana, but pro antidepressants, strong painkillers, antipsychotic medication, etc.? After all, um, don't they alter the mind perception uh, and therefore have an effect on sobriety? Or like, what about hmm. uh, drunkenness? Or you know, they mean people doing alcohol abuse. Like sometimes people who are an alcoholic, like that, it's almost like that sort of really brings out who they really are. Um, and you know, we've dealt with that being at Calvary and there's people, mm -hmm. you know, who do abuse, um, you know, the different uh, opiates and people, there's people who have come out of apology oh, yeah. who've had to detox off of that. Um, and then, you know, they get into too, and they kind of get into the cultural panic that created the war on drugs, mm -hmm. which is, <laughs> that's a whole nother, that's literally a whole nother thing. Like, is that, is it a just, is a just government under the authority of Christ should they be doing a war on a substance and throwing people image bearers in prison? That's a whole nother subject. Mm -hmm. But um, how do we, how just real quickly, and like how do we differentiate between uh, psychedelics and some of the antidepressants, strong painkillers? Like just, just kind of maybe address that very briefly because mm -hmm. we're just doing a broad overview. I don't. So oh, okay. I don't at all. I think <laughs> that, and I don't think that we should. I think it goes back to the point that I made originally, made originally, which is you can uh, like make anything an idol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Literally anything. So like my like fervent belief around this is it isn't sin until it's sin, right? If you are abusing opiates, that's sin. If you are taking an opiate because you have to manage your pain that way, that's not sinful. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's the same thing when you're talking about like, you know, any run of the mill, antidepressants, antipsychotic, anything that's in the psychotropic category for medications, um, we way over prescribe. Yeah. The pharma like pharmaceutical industry owns the world. Mm -hmm. No joke. They own the like rights to the active ingredients and in plant compounds. Like that's how mm. insane it is. It's a like really incalculable in terms of money wise the right. industry right um mm -hmm. we absolutely over prescribe we over pathologize we make things disordered when they're just normal mm -hmm. reasonable reactions to things so do i think that there are a lot of folks on regular ordinary antidepressants that probably don't need to be sure sure are there people that absolutely need them yes yeah. mm -hmm. you know so like my the challenge for me would be Am I using this as a mechanism for avoidance? Am I using this to keep me from like plugging through the suffering from suffering well? Or am I talking about something that's actually related to brain chemistry that I need help with? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So most depression is situational. Most anxiety is situational. Most yeah. of the time it isn't disordered. Mm -hmm. Right. So do I really need a pill? 
or am I just looking for the quick fi- mm-hmm. fix, which is very cultural. And yeah. I mean, human beings don't like being uncomfortable. We do not like yeah. suffering. We want to avoid it at all costs. Well, but we aren't. And That's we great. can't. So it isn't about avoiding suffering. It's about suffering well. But I would say that there isn't a difference. I think yeah. you can become sinful regardless of what you're using. There are people that absolutely cannot be off those medicines. Mm-hmm. right? I think that that group is far smaller than what, you know, looking at anybody's Walgreens roster would have us believe, like the general population. <laughs> but... So please don't like we're not giving any medical advice. I'm not telling anyone to get off their medicine. Right. Like, do not hear that. Do not hear right. that from me. What I'm saying is we have a tendency in this country to over pathologize and over prescribe. And maybe instead of using medication, we could lean on Christ. Right. I had to make sense. of And it, with yeah. outside of that, our worldview anyway, there is no meaning to suffering. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that goes back to that. The first question that you Red, I think that's one of the reasons that a post-traumatic stress and everything related to it is so connectable to like the gospel message, right? In a secular world where evolutionary, like evolution reigns, it doesn't matter that that helicopter went down full of his brothers. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. broccoli, like cry me a river. But God says that each one of the people on board that boat helicopter was an image bearer and had a value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we know it matters, but outside of that. Yeah. No meaning. Um, yeah. That, that That's huge. And I think when it comes down to it, it's really, how do you ultimately deal with uh, suffering? Cause again, I feel like we've only had, this is really just a broad yeah. introduction. This is the opening. These are the opening credits to the this whole discussion. So we will we will be doing follow ups. Um, you know, just a couple of thoughts we wrap up here again. Uh, Couch Divided podcast. You guys yes. have just you've put out some just great episodes, as small as a podcast as you guys are. Do you guys have a website yet? We're working on it. Uh, yeah, we're working on that okay. right now. I was hoping to uh, get that launched by the time this uh, episode launched. Okay. Right. If it doesn't, it's uh, it's going to be shortly after that. Okay. Sweet. Um, but yeah, definitely check out the social media, yeah, uh, the Facebook, socials, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Instagram. Follow us there. Yeah. Uh, podcast up. catcher. Um, yeah. 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 It reminds you know, and I think it's interesting too, just that. You know, I'm thinking about like C- C.S. Lewis in the Screw Tape Letters when oh. he is talking about uh, you know, it's this is like these fictional letters between uh, Screw Tape and his. Uh, nephew Wormwood and there's a moment where he is talking about suffering and I'm hoping I can remember because it's been forever since I've I've read it but in it he talks about he gives kind of a guide of how to deal with suffering hmm. and it's funny because he refers to the people he wants to and he refers to God as the enemy and then refers to the people he wants to inflict a spiritual attack upon as their patient uh, it's very it's, hmm. it's very unique, but in it, when he talks about suffering, he said you have to be very, very careful because while suffering sometimes can inflict pain and harm, which we love to do, we have to be very, very careful because that in and of itself will typically draw them to seek out the enemy mm. um, in, in a sense. And I think there is something about suffering uh, as a Christian mm. that we can then that we have a 
we have a, a message. We have a message of hope and we have a God who is not far from each one of us who was truly became fully God, fully man, Christ come in human flesh, who, you know, says the son of, you know, the foxes have places to, you know, lay, uh, have their holes in which they lay in. I'm paraphrasing it, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. So you have Jesus who is homeless. You have mm. Jesus who was abandoned, uh, who was shunned, by his uh, closest of kin. Right. Um, you have Jesus who was, uh, experienced all sorts of traumas. Uh, you know, you have, you talk about abandonment. I mean, he had the ultimate abandonment on the cross. My God, my God, like, why, why have you, you forsaken, forsaken me? me? Yep. Um, and it just goes, and you have like physical abuse. I mean, you had some of the worst physical abuse possible, um, you know, and those who are closest to you said like, you know, are literally cursing and saying, I don't know you. If I had like a close friend, you know, and then they were like swearing, saying, I don't know him. Like that would hurt. Of course, That would just hurt. And I would just be like shook. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's interesting too, because you look at someone like Peter, how he weeps bitterly when Christ stares at him. But like, it doesn't really talk about how did Jesus actually feel? It doesn't account to that. What his human experience was. Yeah. You know? And in that, and that's deep. And I think that when you when you look at this, is that um, this whole issue of psychological and mental health, it's, it's there's a there's a by, there's an end result. This is the result of the result of how do you authentically deal uh, with suffering. And I think this is something that ultimately, as a Christian, that like, this is a tool that God uses us to make us more conform to the image of Christ. And if this is something that is new to you, if you're, you're, you're just kind of thrown off by this, I mean, I just want to say that, you know, if you're not a believer, like we love and we care for you and we are intentional, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're not neutral in how we proclaim uh, this. We want to tell you that, you know, there is hope in that you will never be able to find through some sort of substance or, or getting in, into an altered state of consciousness. There is, again, there is a true hope to experience the ultimate transcendent experience uh, to cross over in a way that God has provided through Christ mm. and what he did on the cross. And the way you do that is you have to repent, mm-hmm. turn from your sin and believe in the gospel mm-hmm. that Christ, he died, he bore the wrath of God. He experienced the ultimate abandonment and he, and he died for our sins on the cross. And because of that, we now have ultimate peace. We have the ultimate uh what do you call it? The crossing over the, all the Joe Rogans, the Russell brands, all are talking about. We have that mm-hmm. through the God man from 2000 years ago right. off my soapbox. What are the last thoughts you guys have? <laughs> yeah. I, so, right. The veil was torn. Yes. So we don't need like a special spaceship to get to. Sure. Um, I mean, essentially, I think ultimately for most people, it comes down to looking for creation to satisfy what our creator only can. Mm-hmm. And so this is the experience that you ultimately get from that. Mm-hmm. You vomit in a Costa Rican rainforest Vomitio. in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> so, yeah. I hate that. Yeah. I'm excited to keep talking about this because it's definitely, it's important. It's a good conversation to have. Um, mm-hmm. And Christians need to be thinking about this stuff. It, we have to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, just in response to that question, you know, and she's like, why are Christians, you know, against this or against, you know, but not against this? 
Uh, and I loved what Robin said. Well, hold on, I'm not, you know what I mean? Which, which is there is a blanket statement. So that should wake Christians up that are thinking about this to provide them an answer. And I hope we, we did that here today. Yeah. But as far as a final thought goes, with the profound nature of regeneration, you can bridge that gap or mm-hmm. he can bridge that gap for you between the material in the immaterial world to where you go on a trip of a lifetime to glory to yeah, um, right. uh, to serve him in eternity uh, with everything, every increment, every uh, particle, every mineral going along with you mm-hmm. in, in this world. Uh, he's a part of it all. And you're not going to get a, trans- a, a, a transcendent experience anywhere else but Jesus Christ. Amen. That's good. That's yeah. good. Well, uh, if you guys enjoyed... This uh, episode again. This says uh, this is also the last episode. Of the Super Sleuth will be uh, be talking as, be as Arizona resident, taking you, a trip, taking a trip to yeah. Utah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an experience. Um, so yes, uh, you will be up there uh, sleuthing around, being embedded in Salt Lake, Utah. Uh, so like, I have a reason so to like go to Utah. Utah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just uh, we are going through a lot of transitions. So again, if you guys, uh, we would really ask is that we're only just we're just really sourcing we're ethnic this is like we're trying to ethically source out everything we're like just rooting out we're like farming and tilling all these ideas yeah. that, that are in people's minds about this that's really a passion topic every time we post something about this it's very passionate um so just uh give us your feed give us your honest feedback um you know we want to follow up with this we want to continue this discussion uh, i will really believe that uh, as Christians, we need to be involved bringing the gospel into this discussion. So yeah. um, all that being said, check out our social media, leave us review on iTunes, uh, whether it's one star saying we're cold, talking about cults or if you really like the podcast because it gives a real good biblical framework, uh, feel free to leave a review as well. Um, also, a program like this cannot continue without your support. So if you want to partner with us, help support The Cultist Show, uh, go to thecultistshow.com. You can go to the donate tab, donate one time or monthly. And uh, yeah, so with that being said, uh, we'll talk to you all next time uh, where we enter into the kingdom of the cults. Talk to you guys soon.